Take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2 in your Bibles this morning. Uh, what a great song to start off our year this year and with the theme you might have seen on the banners that are out in the foyer and here on the platform and on your bulletin and it'll be on your uh, calendar for the year as well and the theme is I will honor God. That's the theme and um, as the ladies just saying uh, a prayer to the Lord really is what that was. Help me to honor you in life or death. Help me to honor God in life or death. In, uh, help me to honor God in times of ease when everything seems to be going well in my life. And help me to honor God in times of hardship uh, when there's opposition. And uh, in my prayer for you this year and... Uh, that this would be a year of growth in our lives individually and at corporately as a church that we would learn to honor the Lord better in our lives. I think most everybody in the room this morning would say, if I were to ask you the question, do you want to honor God? I imagine most everybody in this room, if I asked you personally that question, you would say yes. But then we could ask the question, well, what does it mean to honor God? I mean, is honoring God more than a desire? Because one could desire to honor God, but not honor God. Does that make sense? We could do that. It'd be possible for me to say, I want to honor God in my marriage, but to fall short of honoring God in my marriage, I could do that. I could say, personally, I want to honor God as a pastor, but I could fall short of honoring God as a pastor. And so... It's my desire for us this year that we would learn what it means to honor God and that we would do that and not just know what it means, but and not just desire to honor him, because that's a wonderful goal. But as they sang in that song, someday we'll stand before the Lord and we will find out whether or not we honored him in this life or not, whether we did or we didn't. And I think it would be God's will for us to know what it is to honor him and to live our lives in this life knowing I am honoring God in this decision. And when we stand before him someday, it won't have to be a surprise. Oops, I guess I wasn't. I wanted to. I had good intentions, but I didn't. I think it'd be wonderful if Trinity Baptist Church as a whole and, and us as individuals could honor God. That would be the glory and praise of God Almighty. When we look at the Word of God, in different uh, different words are used, of course, to make up the Word of God. And a couple of those words are honor and glorify or glory. And those words sometimes or even can be used interchangeably. They have the same idea to glorify God, to to honor God. And uh, you see it on our banners. It says, "I will honor God." And then you might notice, and you even have it on your bulletin if you want a closer look at it, there's uh, uh, some, a scale here uh, that was drawn and, and uh, is put on our banners. It's on your bulletin. It's on your calendar. I encourage you at, at the Ferguson House, if you've been over to our home, you know that we normally take those magnets and we slap this thing on our, our refrigerator and it stands, sits there all year and it reminds us of it's a handy calendar to have there in the kitchen, but it also reminds us of important events that the church is going to be having throughout the year when we're getting together and doing things and fellowshipping with one another and getting to know each other better and sometimes bearing one another's burdens and sometimes just having a good time together. So that calendar's there for you and all the events are listed there. 
But then there's the, the scale there. Um, and, and I will honor God. And so it's my prayer. Put that in a place where you'll see it regularly. And, uh, and my desire is that you would honor God in your marriage. You'll honor God in the workplace. You'll honor God in your personal life. Um, you'll honor God with your finances. Honor God with your business. Honor God with your children. You see what I'm saying? There's no end to this. We could go on and on. I could just keep talking about that for the rest of the sermon. We could just talk about things and ways and areas in our lives that we can honor God. Well, you're in 1 Samuel chapter number 2, and I'm going to read beginning in verse number 30. We're just going to read one verse to start, and uh, we're going to get back to our study in Ephesians next Sunday morning. We'll continue working our way through the book of Ephesians, and I'm excited about that. But occasionally throughout this year, I'm going to preach a message or different messages on this idea of honoring God. And, uh, and in, in, in 1 Samuel, we find really two, two families. Uh, one family honored God, and the other family dishonored God. And uh, while it's my hope and prayer that we would honor God, I'm also... Uh, I'm also Oh, I, I understand that we all can dishonor him as well. And uh, so what does it look like to God when somebody dishonors him? How, how, can we, how do we dishonor him and, and how do we honor him? Well, notice in 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse number 30, I'm going to read the whole verse, but really the point of emphasis is at the end. It says in verse number 30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me. Now here's what I want you to see. For them that honor me, God says, I will honor. And they that despise me me shall be lightly esteemed. Look at the end of that verse again, because that's quite a statement. God says, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. God says to you and to me and to the people of Israel in those days that those people who honor God, God will honor them. But those people who despise him, which has the idea of to pull down, to lessen, those who despise God... God shall esteem them lightly. Has the idea of little. I will honor God. What would you say this morning if I were to ask you, are you honoring the Lord? Are you honoring God? Are you striving to? Are you being successful in honoring God? Let's pray together and we'll uh, look at this. These, these chapters together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives. Father, I believe everybody in this room this morning, or nearly everyone in this room, desires to honor you in some way because they've even come this morning to hear your word and to gather with the church. So to some degree, everybody in this room wants to honor you. And yet, Father, This year, we're going to be tested, and we're going to be tried, and there are going to be different decisions we're faced with and choices that we have to make. And Father, I'm reminded that in every choice we make, we can honor you or dishonor you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us by your word. Use these people in the Bible as an illustration to us 
and reveal to us, Father, the path that we need to take to honor you. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about honoring God. Psalm 29, verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory. The word there is the idea of honor. Give him the honor, the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 57, in verse 5 says, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. It has the idea of lifting him up, giving him the rightful place that he deserves. Psalm 71 and verse 8 says, Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Uh, Psalm 145 and verse 5 says, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and thy wondrous works. Revelation 19 and verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. Uh, Today, I want to ponder this idea of what it means to honor God. By the time we're done this morning, you will know what it means to honor God. And every one of us are going to be faced with a decision, not a public decision necessarily, but every one of us a decision. Are we going to honor God or are we going to dishonor God? So to do that, I want to look at uh, a real life story That's recorded for us here in 1 Samuel of two different families. One family chooses to honor God, and one family chooses not to honor God. And there really is a contrast that God sets out, uh, sets forth in the lives of these people. Um, I can honor God, or I can dishonor him. Now, in this passage, as I've already read, and you see it there in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30, the latter part, God had said very clearly to these individuals, he said, them that honor me, so that's something that we can do, we can give, we can give honor to him. And God says, them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me, those who pull me down or try to pull me down, we really can't pull God down, he is who he is. Um, But those who make little of God, God says that he will uh, esteem them lightly. Um. At this time in Israel's history, it was a very, very dark time. It it was a time uh, during this period of of history of the nation of Israel, Judges records for us that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, And isn't that true? We understand that, right? On our daily basis, throughout our weeks, we'll buy things and we'll we'll do things and we'll listen to things and watch things, and we all to do all those things, we have to uh, justify it or make excuses sometimes or declare it to be right. But, but, but at this time in Israel's history, everybody was doing that which was right in their own eyes, not necessarily what was right in God's eyes. And it was a period of time that a woman who was without child began to be burdened that she would have a child, and her name was Hannah. And she began to pray, and the Bible records for us that in in Shiloh, where the tabernacle was, she would go in and she would pray and she would weep, and and she desired that God would bless her with a child. And the priest uh, overheard overheard her, and 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 the priest tells her and assures Hannah that God's going to bless you with a child, he's going to answer your prayer. And And through the course of her praying, Hannah promises God that if God will give her a child, she will give that child back to God. 
And, uh, and, and God does. He gives her a son, and, and, and he, Hannah honored God, and she returned that child to God for his service. And I want to consider three aspects of honoring the Lord this morning. What, what are the differences between honoring God and honoring ourselves? Well, number one, I noticed that honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. I can say I want to honor God. But whether or not I honor God is determined by whether I'm willing to present my best to the Lord. Uh, look in our text, 1 Samuel chapter 1, if you would, go back to chapter 1 and verse number 24. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and, and I'll begin reading in verse number 24. Honoring God involves presenting my best to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 1, in verse number 24, and I'll read down through verse number 28. It says this. And when she had weaned him, and that's talking about Hannah, and God had answered her prayer, given her a son. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought, into, uh, brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. Eli was the high priest at that time. And Hannah said, in verse 26, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent, and the word lent means to give, therefore I have given him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be given to the Lord. And, and he worshipped Samuel worshipped the Lord there at the tabernacle in Shiloh. So, notice again verse 28. She says, I have lent him, I have given him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be given to the Lord. You know, Hannah knew that what she had to offer was only that which God had given to her. What Hannah brought to the tabernacle that day, and she gave and she entrusted that child to Eli, the high priest, and to the tabernacle... What, what, what Hannah brought to the tabernacle that day was only something that God had given to her. It was her son. Uh, again, the word Lent means to, to give or to, to offer upon request. And I'm, and I'm reminded of this, and I'm asking myself the question, am I willing to give my best to the Lord? Or am I willing to give leftovers to him? Am I willing to give him the prime time? Am I willing to give him my prime strength? Am I, am I willing to give him the best that I have? Or, I, or am I willing to give him second best? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul talked to a church. And he talked to them as a church. And he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let me read to you a couple verses from Romans chapter 6. I'll read in Verses 13 and following. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 13, Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said it this way. He said, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Don't yield your bodies to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And, and in that passage, I'm reminded, and we're all reminded of the reality, I can yield 
my body and my mind and my thinking and my eyes to look upon and my ears to hear and my hands and my feet to do and partake in that which is wrong. I can yield my instruments, my body, to unrighteous actions. Or I can yield all that I am to the Lord to do what he desires for me to do. When I think of my children, I think of, I think of this pastor, I think of my children, I think, what do I desire for my kids? Do I desire my children to yield themselves unto the works of unrighteousness? And of course, we know that he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption and destruction. Do I want to see my children go down a path of destruction? And I'll be there to love them and care for them and pick up the pieces? Is that what my desire for them? My love for them will not change, but is that what I long for them? To yield their their body as instruments of unrighteousness? Or do do I desire for them to yield their bodies as instruments of righteousness unto God? God, here I am. I, I surrender my, all my life. All that I am. All that I have. I yield to you. Use me for your honor and for your glory. And Paul talked to this church in Rome about it. He says, again, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. He goes on in verse number 16 of that same passage, and he he asks a question. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness? Now, an unsaved person has no choice to make in this matter about Uh, They have a choice in that they can receive Christ as their personal Savior. They can believe upon Christ and be saved from their sin. But they have no choice to make when it comes to, am I going to yield myself unto God or yield myself unto sin? But a believer has a decision to make. As a believer, I can choose to yield myself as a servant to sin. I can choose to do that. You can choose to do that. Or we can choose to yield ourselves... To the Lord. And again, he asked that question Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Uh, are you serving sin and death, or are you serving obedience and righteousness? One more verse in Romans chapter 6 and verse 19, he says this I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and unto holiness. That's what, that was Paul's exhortation to the believers there at Rome. He says, there was a time in your life where you used to yield your bodies to sin and to uncleanness and to unrighteousness. That's who you used to be. But he says, now yield your bodies unto righteousness, unto the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I can... I can honor the Lord. And the first truth I noticed from this, this, this narrative, this story in these chapters of 1 Samuel is that honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. It's an Old Testament principle. Hannah comes to the tabernacle there at Shiloh and she comes to Eli the high priest and she says, it's me again and I've got somebody I want you to meet. His name is Samuel. 
Samuel was a young boy. She says, you remember I was praying in this tabernacle and you thought I was drunk. I was so overcome with grief. I wanted a child so badly and I begged and I pled with the Lord and he said yes to my prayer. And I told God that if God gave me a son, I would give him back to the Lord. And here he is. Hannah presented her best to the Lord. Honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Do we live our lives do we, uh, presenting our best, Lord, do, are we offering our body, our mind, our emotion, our will to the Lord? What has God given you that you can give back to him? I might ask that question. What has God given to you that you can give back to him? There are talents in this room that are far beyond anything that I have the ability to accomplish. Certainly, we'd all understand very obviously that there is time represented in this room that is far beyond any time that I could offer. I, we all only have a certain number of hours in every week. But combined, there's quite a few hours that are available to serve the Lord with. Now, not everybody can serve, and I'm not saying a certain number of hours per week. I'm not laying out specifics necessarily, but what is it that God has given to you as God gave to Hannah a son, and she gave that son back to the Lord? And please don't bring any six-year-olds to the church and say, here, Pastor Ferguson, I'm bringing my son to the Lord. Don't do that, okay? That is not God's will. But what, what, what has God blessed you with? that you can give back to him, that you can, and my exhortation to you is give your best to the Lord. Don't give him second best. Remember, the, the, the statement is, I will honor God. To honor God is to give my best to, to the Lord. Honoring self, though, involves keeping back the best for our own pleasure. Uh, you're in 1 Samuel. Look at chapter 2. And I, I want to contrast, contrast here uh, Hannah bringing her best to the Lord and offering his, her best to the Lord and her son, her only son, with uh, a high priest by the name of Eli. Now, he's the high priest. If there's anybody that should be spiritual, it should be Eli. But he's not a godly man, and he doesn't have godly sons. And, and his, his ungodly sons are leading other people who are supposedly ministering at the tabernacle, a place that is supposed to be for worship, and they're actually robbing God's people and they're robbing God for their own personal gain. They're, they're taking God's best and keeping it for themselves. Look here in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12. Verse number 12. I'll read down through verse number 17. It says, Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. And the word Belial has the idea of worthless. They weren't good for much. They were unrighteous. And it says there that they knew not the Lord. They didn't know Jehovah. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest servants came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. Now this God had made a provision for the priests, okay? And they were allowed to take a portion of the offering and they were allowed to eat it, a portion of it. And it was for their substance. It was kind of like uh, they didn't have the time to go work a secular job. And so this was a provision God had made for them to eat and feed their families. Uh, 
but they begin to abuse what God had set forth. Notice in verse number 14, the middle part, so they did in Shiloh and to all the Israelites that came thither. And instead of pulling out a portion that would feed their family, they were pulling out huge portions for themselves. And my, I imagine they might have been selling it as well and gorging themselves. Verse 15. This, by the way, this was very disgusting to God. Verse 15. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to the roast for the priest. Now, by the way, when it talks about burning the fat there, they would uh, begin to, uh, this sacrifice would be a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering, and it would begin to be sacrifice, it would begin to be burnt. And the idea was that while the fat was dripping off of the meat, that individual, the offer of the sacrifice, was supposed to be worshiping the Lord during that period of time. Well, the priest uh, wouldn't even wait for that part of worship to take place. Before the fat had even burned off, it says in verse 15, the priest servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. In other words, I think they're, they're selling these things. It's like having a business, making money off of God's people and God's plan. Verse 16, and if any man said unto him, let them not fail to burn the fat presently, they might say, well, no, wait until, the, wait until I'm done worshiping. And they said, no, and then take as much as thy soul desireth. Then he would answer him, nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. And this was so awful that it says at the end of verse number 17 there, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. People began to hate coming and offering to the Lord the sacrifices. Why? Because you would, you would gather, you would bring, they were bringing their best to the Lord. They're trying to follow God's plan. They bring it to the priests, and the priests are literally stealing the offering of, that they're bringing to God. They're stealing it for themselves, and they're threatening people. And these are the sons of Eli, the high priest, and, and other uh, of the people who were involved, other, other of the men who were involved along with Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons. Again, the word Belial there means worthless, and God calls Eli's sons worthless, but they apparently thought very highly of themselves. In fact, they ascribed so much worth to themselves that they began to keep back that which clearly belonged to the Lord. In contrast to how Hannah had offered her son, her best, her very best to the Lord. These men believed that God owed them something. That God wasn't providing enough for them. That they needed to reach out and obtain for themselves more than what God had provided for them. And they began to rob God of what was rightfully his because they believed they deserved it. I imagine they might have reasoned something like this, well, I'm offering my whole life to serve the Lord, and so I can keep back what I believe belongs to me, what I'm losing out on, what I'm missing out on. And I think of that, and I think of what our mindsets might be. Let's not rob God of what is his, his body, the, the body he has given to us, the lifetime that he's given entrusted into our care, our time, the talents and abilities, the spiritual gifts that he's given to you and me. Hannah honored God by presenting her best to the Lord. So number one, honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Number two, honoring God means that I must keep him as the one I please. 
Now think with me about this. Honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Hannah presented her best, her son Samuel, to the Lord. Uh, the high priest, a man who, had, who was a religious individual, uh, Eli, the high priest, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are stealing from God. They're keeping the best back for themselves. Dishonoring God is what they're doing. Hannah honored God. I can choose to honor God, or I can choose to dishonor God. So, honoring God is presenting our best to the Lord. And then two, honoring God means that I must keep him as the one that I please. This is something that you and I face, and will face throughout this year. Who do we want to please the most? Do I want to please me the most? Um... Or do I want to please God? What, what about each other? Am I more interested in pleasing you or pleasing God? Are you more interested in pleasing me or one another or pleasing God? Are we more interested? I don't know about you, but I like to, to please people. I like to make people happy. I like to say yes. Ask. Yes. I, I would wish I could say yes. Just yes to everything. Yes, yes to everything. Let's just whatever... Let's just do it and have fun. I mean, that's, believe it or not, that's how I am. Um, But sometimes, sometimes we are faced with a decision. Am I going to stay true to what God says? Am I going to please him? Or am I going to please somebody else? Most often, for most of us, it's this. Am I going to please God? Or am I going to please my old, wicked, carnal flesh? And honoring God not only is presenting our best to the Lord, but honoring God, secondly, is keeping him the one that I'm going to please. I'm going to please him. I want to please him. In, in your life, who do you desire to please the most? Look, at, look here at 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 28. 1 Samuel chapter 1. In verse number 28, it says there, of course, after Hannah had dropped her son Samuel off at the tabernacle to be there with Eli, the high priest, it says there at the end of verse 28 that he, Samuel, worshipped the Lord there. Look over to chapter 2 and verse number 11. Chapter 2 and verse number 11. In the latter part of chapter, or chapter or verse number 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, the very end of, of verse 11, it says, And the child, Samuel, did minister, he served, he ministered unto the Lord before Eli the priest. And, and the point I want to make to you is this, that Samuel's focus was continually and entirely on God. Samuel, from a young boy, his focus was on doing what the Lord desired. I'm not saying that Samuel was perfect and uh, somehow inhuman and above sin. I'm not saying that he never sinned. I'm sure that he did. But the Bible makes it very clear to us that Samuel, as a child, worshipped the Lord, and he did the will of God. He ministered to the Lord. Samuel was focused on doing what God wanted. Honoring self means that I will keep self as the one that I want to please. Honoring self means that as I go through this year and I find I have a desire, a craving for this, honoring self means that I'll do it. If you, want, if you want to honor yourself, do what your flesh tells you to do. And you'll honor self. You'll, you'll give weight to what you feel. But if you want to honor God, and if I want to honor God, then we must do what God desires. Keep God as the one 
that we want to please. Eli's sons, as we've already seen, were focused on themselves. And with a closer look, we see in reality Eli's focus, uh, Eli's focus on his children was, in essence, a focus on himself as well. Eli was a very large man, the Bible says. He was obese. And while he may have given some verbal correction to his sons uh, and the sins of his sons, he was actually partaking in the robbery of the sacrifices that belonged to God. And God sent a prophet to correct the high priest Eli. Listen to what this man says to Eli, the high priest. Look here in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse number 29. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and verse 29. This man comes to Eli, the high priest, and he says this, Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering. And the word kick has the idea of to despise. This is so ridiculous. We have to do this. What? Eli, the high priest, the man of God comes to him and says, Why do you despise the sacrifices of God? Why do you despise what God has said in his word? Why do you kick and resent what God has laid out for his people to do? You know, we might read that and think, I can't believe a high priest would think that way. But then I'm reminded of me, in my flesh. And you know, when you and I walk in our flesh, we don't exactly appreciate God's instruction that tells us thou shalt not when our flesh is saying, yeah, well, you deserve it, right? There's a battle that takes place. I, I can understand why uh, the, the high priest Eli kicked and despised the sacrifices of God. And, and so he says, wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation? And honorest, why honorest thy sons above me? Oh, that's a, that, that's a very important question. Why do you honor your sons, God says, above me? Is it possible for a, me as a parent to honor what my children want more than I honor what God wants? Is it possible for me as a parent to do that? Yes, it is. Is it possible for me to honor my wife more than I honor God? Yes, it is. And, and God sends a man to Eli, the high priest, and he says, why are you honoring your sons more than you're honoring me? And then he tells us to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. You know, Eli and his sons were dishonoring God because they were taking what belonged to God for themselves. They were more interested in pleasing self than they were God. And sometimes we justify our sins. We declare our actions to be righteous actions by reasoning well, that's just what I like. That's what I like to listen to. Or that's just the entertainment I enjoy. That's the things that, those are the things that I like to watch. Or it's my favorite show, or it's just what my family does, or it's what I've always done. It's, you know, they were honoring self. Samuel, though, was dedicated to pleasing God. Lastly, number three, I want to notice and we'll be done. Honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. So honoring God, what does it mean to honor God? Well, it means presenting our best to the Lord. This year, I want you to make a conscious focus on, am I presenting my best to the Lord? Or am I giving the leftovers? Number two, honoring God means that I must keep him as the one that I please. 
Know this. Our number one concern and priority as individuals is not to find out what we want and do what we want. Or to find out what one another wants and, and do what, what somebody else wants so, to, so as to please them. That is not what God has commanded us and instructed us to do. In fact, and as we just read, you saw that, God rebuked a high priest, Eli, because he was going along with what his sons were doing. And God actually says, in going along with them, you're actually a part of it. You're a part of it. Why are you honoring your sons more than you're honoring me? But, but the third part is, is not only that we keep God as the one that we please, but the, but the third part, the third uh, definition of honoring the Lord is honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. I don't know what's coming this year, and I would desire a nice, easy uh, year, you know, a downhill run with a strong tailwind at our backs and just things just happening, you know. Uh, it's just wonderful, and we just marvel, and it's just, we, you know, it's like uh, taking the kids sledding and hearing them squealing as they go down the hills with, with joy and, and thrill. That would be a great year. And you know what, there might be some of that, but if this year is like any other year, you know what? There's going to be some trials along the way and some hardships. In fact, some of you sitting in this room already, leaving last year and coming into this year, when, when the calendar changed on your phone from 2017 to 2018, there were some things in your lives that didn't change, did it? Some hardships, they just rolled right over into the new year. Well, honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. We can't run away from them. Um, my dad will be having open heart surgery this Wednesday morning. And um, I've been with many of you when a doctor has walked in and given you hard news. I've been with many of you as you've been at a bedside of a loved one when they drew their last breath and passed on into eternity. But when the doctor, the surgeon, came out, uh, a couple of weeks ago to my mom and I waiting in the, in the room, uh, we were expecting the worst case scenario to be them walking out and saying we had to put a stint in to dad's heart. But instead he walked out and he said, yeah, we didn't put in any stint. He needs open heart surgery. He's got some major blockages. And, you know, I felt something that I hadn't felt before. Now, they're saying he's a great candidate, should go fine. He'll feel 20 years younger in a year. Okay. But still, I felt something. There was something. And the other day, my dad and I talked on the phone, and he said, so, so that being, all that being said, it, it's a positive thing that the doctors can help him. Okay. The other day, my, my dad mentioned to me on the phone, he said, you know, I told your mom this morning, let's just get in the car and just leave all this behind. Yeah, don't you? You understand that? Don't, don't we understand that? And I kind of chuckled to myself, and he laughed. Because we both know you can't do that. Wouldn't that be nice? I like driving. If you could just get in the car and just leave all the hardship behind. But you can't do that. When we were out uh, in Pennsylvania, we played a lot of games with the, with the kids and the family. And I told my Sunday school class one of my children was in his pajamas all day long one day. I mean, we just, had a, we just relaxed. We had a great time. And... Uh, we were, one of the games we played was life, the game of life. How many of you ever played life? Okay, about half of you. 
I'm not a big board game fan, okay? But this was fun with my four kids and my wife. And, uh, and so William, my five-year-old, was teamed up with his grandma. And they were on the same team, you know. And they were just losing. They were getting just blown out of the water. It was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, they were having to pay every bill. They were almost bankrupt. It was just horrible. I mean, it just, nothing went right. And, uh, and you could see William's uh, demeanor change as the game went along. It was just like, it was like he just couldn't get a, couldn't get a break. You know, one, one thing after another. And at one point, he just kind of tossed his card up into the air and said, life is hard. <laughs> and I kind of looked at him. I thought, yeah, that's a true saying. Five years old, life is hard. It's not going to get any easier, Will. Enjoy your farmhouse and the taxes. Life is hard. Yeah, life is hard. Honoring God. If you're going to honor God, if you're going to do this, I will honor God. You're going to have to accept life's challenges. You can't run away from them. For some of us, for some of us in our lives, we've, we've grown accustomed. We've actually set patterns in our lives of running away from hardship. You know what I mean by that? It's like muscle memory. Uh, your, your default when things get hard is to run away. And as your pastor, and as lovingly as I can say it, you can't run away. And I'd encourage you to make a decision this morning before God. I'm not going to run away from the hardships of life. God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to present my best to you. All that I have, all that I am, Lord, here it is. Use me how you want, however you want. I'm going to present my best to you. And, and I'm not going to run away. I'm going to accept the challenges of life. Look here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 1. And I'm going to read down through verse number 18. It's a narrative, so it's a story. You follow along, and you're going to see that God speaks to Samuel as a boy. And Samuel comes to the point where he's willing to do a hard thing. Okay, verse number one, it says, And the child Samuel ministered, he served unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim, that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of, the, of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. Now, Eli's an older man. He's the high priest. Samuel's a young boy, ministering in the tabernacle. The Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli, Eli sleeping, and, and, and Samuel says, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, I called not uh, lie down again. And he went and lay down. So you get what's happening here. God called Samuel. Samuel said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, he woke him up and said, Here I am. You called? So God called Samuel, but Eli, or Samuel thought Eli called Samuel. Uh, verse number six. And the Lord called yet again. That's twice. Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. 
Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He'd never, God had never spoken to him before, verse, verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceives that, perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, do you think Samuel went back to sleep? I don't think so. It says he laid in his place. He went back, laid down, and now he knows Jehovah God is speaking to him. Verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both thy ear, the ears of every one that heareth it, shall tingle. And what he means by that is, God says to Samuel, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to do something in Israel, and it's going to be a really hard thing for everybody to handle, and they're going to, they're going to resist it in their ears. They don't want to hear it. Verse 12, In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him, God says, I have told Eli that I will judge his house forever and for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Well, that's a hard thing. Verse 15, and Samuel lay until the morning. He didn't sleep. And opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee. And more also, if thou hide anything from me, of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. Look again at verse number 18, the beginning part. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. Listen to me. What Samuel was faced with was a very hard thing. God was going to kill Eli. And he was going to kill his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, because of their gross wickedness against God. And God had told Samuel, what I'm about to tell you, people, when they hear it, they're gonna, it's going to be revolting to them. It's going to be hard to handle what I'm about to tell you. And Samuel was entrusted with a message, and he communicated the message, even though it brought him great heartache to do so. Honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. You know, in some ways, you and I are going to face the same challenges this year. We're all going to face temptation we're all going to face some different hardships along the way. We all, we all have the same flesh, right? But, but, but then at the same time, while we're going to face similar challenges, we're all going to face different challenges. We all are. Some of you are going to face very grievous challenges, I imagine. The kind that will bring you to your knees. The kind that you'll wonder if you even can go on anymore. And others in this room, it might be a year of great fruitfulness and great blessing and joy and rejoicing. But we're all going to face different challenges. But if we're going to honor God, 
We are all going to have to, if we're going to honor God corporately as a church, we're going to have to choose as individuals to accept the challenges that God brings into our lives. And we're going to have to choose to honor him. We're going to have to choose to please him, be dedicated to pleasing him more than we are to pleasing ourselves. You see, Samuel was more concerned with honoring God than honoring man. Honoring the Lord requires that we do what is pleasing in his sight, not what's convenient, not what's easy or what is popular necessarily. There are going to be many times in our lives when honoring God is going to be the, in opposition to what we feel like doing. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. And that's true for every one of us. The spirit within us is contrary to the flesh that each one of us have. But Samuel honored God by delivering a very hard message that God wanted him to speak. Honoring self may give lip service to obeying God, but that is it. You know, Eli, the high priest, he gave lip service to doing what was right, but he honored himself. Look back to chapter 2 and verse 22. Chapter 2 and verse number 22. Eli the priest knew what was right, but notice in, in chapter 2 and verse number 22, and I'll read just through verse 24. Eli, he talks to his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. It says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. And how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Are you following along? Not only were they stealing the offerings, but they were also committing fornication and adultery. Verse 23, And Eli said unto them, in verse 23, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. Now, he said the right things, did he not? You're making God's people to sin. What are you doing? Why are you doing these things? He spoke the right things, but he didn't do anything about it. Look at verse 27 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel? To be my priest, he's talking about Aaron, to offer up mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me. And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Notice verse 29 now. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people." Look at, look at chapter 3 and verse number 13. Chapter 3 and verse number 13. He says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. You see, Eli spoke to his sons about their sin, but he honored them above God because he didn't do the work of restraining. He restrained them not. He wasn't willing to say, I'm not going down that path with you. These full-grown sons of Eli were under his leadership, but it was still his responsibility, as God points out, to restrain his own rebellious sons. There is a vast difference between the life that honors God and the life that honors self. But I want to close with this. What does it really mean to honor God? We've seen, we've seen as we've worked our way through this, honoring God involves presenting our best to the Lord. Honoring God means that I must keep him as the one that I please. Honoring God involves an acceptance of life's challenges. 
But the word honor, I want to I conclude with this. What does it really mean to honor God? The word honor is used as a noun. God is honorable. And it is used as a verb. Honor God. I will honor God. I can honor God. I can bestow honor upon him. Psalm 66 in verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Honor is something that God possesses. He is honorable, no matter whether we honor him or not. God is honorable. We don't change who he is, whether we honor him or not. He is honorable. He possesses glory. He possesses dignity. He possesses reverence in abundance. But honor is something that God can place upon us. We can possess honor. In other words, God can actually give us honor. And when we come to our text in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 30, you read it there at the end. He says, For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The word honor literally means to make heavy. It means to give weight to. Um, Pastor Burden and I talked, and uh, by the way, this, this uh, statement, I will honor God, was on a sticky note on my desk for over a year. And uh, it's been something that's been on my heart for about a year and a half or two for our church. And as I studied the word honor, we thought about putting a crown here. You know, I will honor God. He's worthy of honor. He's high and lifted up. He's a king. And that would have been fine. But I couldn't get away from the scale. Because I really think the idea of honoring God is not just something... He is honorable. That is who he is. But I want us to think a little bit about how we honor him, whether we honor him. And every day of, of my life, when I make a decision to do something, I give weight. Am I giving more weight to what I think? Or am I giving more weight to God's word? Am I giving more weight to what I want or to God's word? You see what I'm saying? And there's a scale in a sense, and I want that to be indelibly marked into our thoughts, not just throughout this year, but for the rest of our lives. As we go through life, honoring God is giving weight to what he says. Counting it to be more valuable. Counting what he says to be more valuable than what I feel. Counting what he says to be of greater importance than, than what everybody else around me says. Counting what he says to be greater than what I may want in my flesh. And so as we go through life, there's these scales every day. And I can choose to honor him, give weight to what he says, and say, wow, what he says is more important than what I was thinking. I'm going to honor God. See what I'm saying? We need to do that. I will honor God. I want to honor him. I want to honor him. I want to honor him so that when God speaks about my family, I listen. When God speaks about my mouth, as it pertains to gossip, or slander, or foolishness, or filthiness, I listen. When God speaks about my family and how to raise my children, I listen. When God speaks about the gatherings of believers and his church, 
I want to listen. When God speaks about my possessions and what I'm to do with them, I want to listen. I want to honor God. How about you? I think most all of us in this room would say, Seth, I want to honor God. We've looked at what it means to honor God. Present my best to keep him as the one that I please and to go through hard things. Honor, if we can boil it all down, means to give weight to. To give weight, more weight and more value value to what he says than to everything or anything else. When I look out in this audience, I see, I see dads, fathers, husbands. We as men need to lead our families to honor God. And you know, as we choose to honor God, as we start this year anew, maybe it might mean, you know what? Maybe it'll mean some humility. Uh, honey, I don't think we should watch this. Well, you're the one who likes it. I never wanted to watch it, but you've been wanting to watch it for you've been watching it for three years. I know. And I think I might have been wrong. Honey, I don't think we should watch this. You see what I'm saying? I will set no wicked thing for him. I'm going to give more weight to his word than what I feel. More weight to his word than my habits. More weight to his word. Friends, we will not regret giving more weight to his word. It will lead us into righteousness. It will bring glory and honor to him. Giving weight to what he says honors him. Let's all stand to our feet. Take your hymnals and stand to your feet if you would. And turn with me to hymn number 23.